Monday. Welcome to 90 Day of the Melanated Way. I'm Linda Entwee. Uh, hey, new people. Hey, family. Hey, family, family, family. I hope you guys had an amazing week. I had a shorter week last week. Uh, I have some catching up to do with the shows. But, uh, you know, I needed to take a little bit of a me moment, take a little mini vacay, regroup all the things. But I am back in full effect, y'all. And, uh, when I say I'm back in full effect, like hit the ground today, run in. Uh, let's do some housekeeping first and foremost, and then we'll just jump into part two of the happily ever after tell all that I'm a little bit underwhelmed with, but we'll talk about it. But first, housekeeping. Um, guys, as the show grows, uh, your support is much appreciated. Thank you from wherever you're watching um like subscribe all the things that helps us grow and it also helps to spread the word about our show um you know this show it, it, it's a production and so if you find it in your heart to uh go ahead and support the show you see on the bottom of your screen the ways that you can support the melanated way uh cash app venmo paypal I truly appreciate my day ones and also all my Patreon subscribers. Without you, really, these shows can't happen. Um, and so I very much appreciate you. And I want to shout out Olivia, Vanessa, Trisha, Sandra, Carol, Trina, Danielle, Rebecca, Marianne, Nia, Raydella, Linda, Brianna, Crystal, Nicole, Amanda, Jaleesa, and Angela, Donna over at Anchor FM, Judy and Beth. You know, love y'all. And because of you, these shows happen. So thank you guys so much. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we do have Super Chats and Super Stickers. Uh, think about that as well, you guys, and we will get into the show. So, um, yeah, Tell All Part 2, you guys. I, I was like, mm, I've seen better. I think the Single Life Tell All was way better than uh, this one. I think Part 1 was better than Part 2 for Happily Ever After. But overall, you know, we did get some answers and then we got just more questions as far as I was concerned. But what we did get, you guys, is we got through the season. And I think that that's the most important part is that we were able to get through the complete season. We take a break this week and then we start next week with the other way. So there's that. But uh, so we left off with Angela storming out, talking crazy, flashing everyone, her new like 20 year old boobies high up on her neck and the rest of her doing a whole lot, her genie ponytail, the whole nine yards. And she storms out and I guess she was having an epiphany while she was smoking with her daughter. And I found it interesting that she bullies her daughter too. She's like, Skyla, come on, Skyla, we're out of here. Skyla, like that whole thing. And you know, I think what we're all starting to see is that that's Angela's personality. She's a bit of a bully and uh, she just, wants her way or no way. And so she went out there, she had her smoke. She's talking to Skyla. She's talking about how she's being disrespected, which I think is totally hilarious. Um, but she comes back in and 
you know, has her moment. And why, when I say she's having her moment, she's having her moment in that she's literally making this about her. And I think that she thinks she's a big superstar now. And I think she thinks she's like, you know, Kardashian level in the reality world where if she's done, she's done. And she's going to go and do what she wants to do because she does what she wants and she lives her the whole thing. Like, you're doing the most, Angela. I get that, you know, 90 Day Fiance, if you guys don't know, it's the number one reality show out there right now. Everyone watches it. And I think Angela... I think that little stardom is, is going to her head personally. So anyway, she comes back in. She says she's tired of Lydia and she's tired of the whole thing. She's just tired of it all. Meanwhile, Michael is trying to convince everyone, do you see what he puts up with? You guys see it for yourself. Well, Michael, yeah, we've seen it for ourselves. We've seen it for ourselves for a very long time. Our question is, we don't. it's not that we don't see it. Our question is, why are you putting up with it? Why have you put up with it for so long? Why have you put up with the disrespect and the degradation and the verbal abuse for so long? You're saying, do you see, do you see? Yes, we've seen, and we've seen for a long time. Our question to you is, do you see? Do you see how she treats people? Do you see how she treats people in your family? Because if you don't, and you don't do anything about it, then like, who cares if everyone else is seeing it, if you allow it to continue to happen? I think it's like a, it's a poor move on your part. And I think it's a poor move when, when he called her later. That was a, like a total ridiculous situation. Anyhow, uh, Kalani had some jokes. Kalani was like to Brandon, so how was it the first time you were at the strip club? And Brandon was like, oh, this was not what I expected. Right? And of course, referring to Angela flashing the whole world with her new tatas. And, you know, Skylar's trying to make excuses for her mom as usual. She's like, mama snapped. You know, she's been dealing with this for three years. And, you know, uh, Aunt Lydia is always in their business. Well, here's the thing, Skyla, you're in her business too. So like, I don't understand what that logic is. You're in her business. She puts other people in the business. She even put this psychic Tracy in her business. So you all got everyone in your business. Plus you're on a national, international TV show. So everyone's in your business. I don't understand what the issue is. We all knew since day one that Michael wanted a baby. That's the only thing that he said he's wanted. Why are we now three years later surprised that Aunt Lydia is talking about Michael wanting a baby? Why are we surprised by that? I, I'm, I'm confused. Yara says Angela's too much. She's extra. Um, Lydia says that Angela's a clown. And then Kalani says, you know, Angela just has a big personality and she's passionate about what she believes in. Andre says that uh, Michael plays with Angela's feelings, which I thought was interesting. So Andre and Elizabeth took a weird side that I like, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't actually believe what you're saying. So Andre says that Mike plays with Angela's feelings. Like what part is he playing with her feelings? I, I wasn't clear on what you, like, what was he doing that was making her like, ooh, because he's talking about wanting to have a baby. Again, he said that from the jump. We all know that. And then Elizabeth says that Michael isn't standing up for her. 
and makes her feel alone. I was like, what, Elizabeth, what are you talking about? Are you talking about your own situation? Are you projecting your own issues? Because what part of Michael is not standing up for her? Angela never feels alone. Trust and believe. Angela, the bully that she is, will stand up for herself, whether she's right or wrong. She's not feeling alone at all. What Angela is feeling is insecure. And I talked about it last week and I'm gonna reiterate it this week. The reason why Angela is all like loud and and verbally abusive to people is because she has her own insecurities. And I think also, you know, her being overweight was an issue for her. And I think that that messed, we all have insecurities. So it, this is not like a, a shaming thing. This is a reality thing. We all have insecurities and we all, um, deal with them in different ways. And Angela deals with it by bullying people before she feels that she might get bullied, bullying people before people call her out on her bullshit, bullying people before she gets found out for some of the things that she does and be put in her place. So instead she bullies and yells and screams at people. And then, you know, this is the first time we actually saw her come back and kind of apologize for being vulgar, kind of apologize for making this all about her. She apologized a little bit, but then she also was like, peace, I'm out, right? Because what Angela doesn't want to do is have a conversation. She doesn't want to sit down and have someone tell her about herself ever. And this, this thing that Angela has done, not new. Every single tell-all, she's bullied someone. She's bullied Avery. She's bullied, um, now I can't think of all the names, but she's bullied Avery. She's bullied John. And what's John's woman's name? Anyways, there's a bunch of people. A bunch of people, previous cast members that she's gone off on. And that's her thing. But you'll never see Angela sit down and let someone else tell her about herself. Oh, that's not going to happen. She'll tell you about yourself and she'll tell you in the most vulgar BS type way possible. But what she's not going to do is sit down and let someone else tell Rachel. Thank you, Stevie. It was Rachel. Yes. Rachel, Avery, all the things made Avery cry. The whole thing. Like she's just a bully. So this today is not new to me. What she did on part two of the tell all. It's just not new. It's, it's her thing. And her thing now has become to a point where I see it all the time online. People are kind of tired of the verbal abuse. I think especially in this last year, last year and a half, where, you know, a lot of us have had to come to Jesus moments in this pandemic and have dealt with things that we've never had to deal with before. And so having to to hear someone verbally abuse someone on a regular basis, is just, it's just not funny anymore. It's not funny, not that it was ever funny, but it's, it's extreme now. Do you know what I mean, you guys? It's like extreme and I think a lot of people are just tired of it. They just, they're like, this is not how you treat people. This is not fun anymore in the sense that, yeah, you can have contention and you can have drama on TV. Obviously that's why we watch the show, but to the level that she's doing it, I think that people are just kind of like, yeah, we're good. So um, Elizabeth tells Michael uh, to tell Lydia that they're not having kids. And I was like, well, why would he do that? Because again, like day one, he's always said he wants kids. So like, why are we now saying, because Angela says that she's not having a kid or can't have a kid or won't have a kid, that that's not a thing. 
It's the only thing that Michael's asked for. Why is that? Why is he in the wrong for that? He's told his stance. He said his stance from the get-go. And you guys, that's why I always tell you guys, when you are in a relationship, you have to have that conversation. You have to have that conversation. And Michael's problem is that he moved forward and got married to Angela anyways, not knowing for sure if Angela was going to have a baby. Now, did Angela lead him on? 100%. 100%. Went to the fertility clinic, said she had the one egg. She's the one that told him about Skyla, maybe toting the egg, the whole nine yards. So he get, she gave him hope. So she can't be mad and neither can anyone else be mad that he's just trying to follow through on something that Angela promised him that she would do. It's crazy. Misha says, it's disgusting. Hurt people, hurt people. 100%. 100%. And Dasha said, I'm so sick of Angela and her screaming. I think she's such a nasty person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys are seeing in the live chat, people are kind of over it. They're just over the abusive talk and the abusive behavior. So Angela feels like bad now. She apologizes, uh, but she still is blaming everyone else. She said that Aunt Lydia went too far, apologizes for being vulgar, and she says, no woman should tell my husband what to do. And then uh, Lydia's like, well, I'm not overstepping. And she didn't feel like she was overstepping. And I don't think she was overstepping either. And I think that if Angela took a minute to learn African culture, she would realize that the families are always in it, in your business, in some type of way, especially when it comes to getting married and having kids. Now, it is what it is. If, if Angela had taken a moment to learn the culture that she married into, then she wouldn't really be having the problem. But you guys, that's not really what her issue is. And I, I stick to what I'm telling you. Angela's issue is that she doesn't want to be confronted by the, some of the things she does and says and how she treats people. So if she sat down and like Michael said, let Lydia talk and then you answer, then Lydia talks, then you answer, and then someone else talks and then you answer. She's not gonna let that happen because then she's actually gonna hear some things about herself and everyone else is going to hear it. So instead she makes the distraction where she's gonna scream and cuss and, and pop out her tatas for everyone to see all the distractions so that she doesn't have to confront some of the things that she should actually really confront. Because I think that her demons and insecurities are big ones and she's never been forced to deal with them because everyone's afraid to confront Angela. Everyone's afraid to confront Angela. So she's been able to get away with this behavior her whole entire life, really. And for the simple fact that she too also has such big insecurities that she thinks that she has to treat people this way. Here we are. Dasha says, oh, but Linda, she's an American, LOL. Why would she learn about someone else's culture facts? Angela is also very selfish. And uh, that is a fact, Dasha, for sure. So <clears throat> Angela then says she's over it. She doesn't want a baby. Do what Lydia says. Go get someone else. Uh, she's like, don't call me when the grass is not greener on the other side. Um then she calls Michael a liar. She says that when uh, Michael first requested her on Facebook, she said he, that Michael said, don't get too close to Lydia. And then 
he's like, no, I never said that. And then she started getting mad again, right? She's like, oh, you're a liar. And then she's like, I'm out of here. I don't want a divorce. I got married in Nigeria, but that le- is not legitimate here. Then she says, fuck you to Michael. I'll do what I want. Have a good life, son of a bitch. Now, I want you guys to think back to that moment and think, because I just really looked at her face. And I gotta tell you, every time Angela talks to Michael, she has this anger and hatred. Like, I think she hates him deep down. I think that she hates him. I think that she blames him for all the bad things that have happened in her life, even though they have nothing to do with him. I mean, we already know that she blames him for her smoking, even though she smoked longer than he's been alive on this earth. And it's interesting to me because I'm wondering what that disgust on her part, where does that come from and why is she that way? And the only thing I can think of you guys is because she did all of this to get to where she is right now. So when she said that she was going to go and live her life and do what she wants, all the things she wants to do that she wanted to have the platform and able to, uh, to be able to do all these things. But I don't think that the love for Michael is there anymore. I think he's just a convenient tool for her to be on a show that she's been on for some time. And whatever that resentment is, now that she's getting the body that she wants and she talks about it and we'll talk about it shortly and the attention that she wants, she doesn't need him, right? So she's got like Dr. Obang rumors hanging out there. She likes that because Dr. Bang is a handsome man. And so for people to think that a handsome man would be interested in Angela, that feeds into her ego. Right. And she even said it, you guys, she's like, she's going to go out, have fun, get all the good attention. And that's really what it's about. It's, it's that insecurity that she needs the external validation to feel beautiful and to feel like she's something and someone. And that's unfortunate because I tell you guys all the time that if you are not full inside and you're broken inside, no amount of external validation is gonna make you feel better. And you're gonna consistently want the external, the external It's never gonna be enough. And so I say all that to say, you think about what Angela has been saying about Michael not being there for her. And she had to get all these surgeries for her health because she couldn't breathe. And then he wasn't there for her. I bet you he was there. He just wasn't there enough for her for all the times that she's wanted. And we know her history where she wouldn't even let him work. She had to, he had to be glued by the phone to pick up a call on any whim. It doesn't matter that they're on completely different different time zones. When Angela wanted to talk to Michael, she had to talk to Michael. And that all of it just makes sense to me, you guys. If you think about it, all the external, like, you have to be there for me because it's about me. It's really deep down about insecurity. It's really deep down about I want to be the center of attention because I don't have that love for myself inside of myself. So I need it from everyone else. And... It's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate, I think. So she calls Michael a son of a bitch. They pan over to Sean's face and Sean gives out this like big sigh. And I felt like that sigh was for all of us. Like, where are we going from here now? Because Angela's up and at it. So she's going. She says she's out of here. 
um, while she's doing her to camera saying that she's over it and I'm done. She's like, see, look at this bitch calling me. And I was like, you just have no respect. You have no respect. Like you don't even like this guy at this, this point. So she acts like she's not going to answer. Then she answers. She tells him, calls him a bitch, tells him to kiss her ass. She says, go ahead and start your life over there. Um, this is as far as she's going. She's going to go out, get the attention. And then she just had this nasty look on her face when she was talking to him. Like I lived, that was my note. The nasty look on her face when she talks to him is quite disturbing. It was disturbing to me. Like just, it's like she turns into like this, I don't know you guys, I want you to go back and watch that, just that segment where he calls her and she's talking to him and her face like gets all, I can't even say the word. Like it's like all contorted and like, angry and like that anger comes from either a place of self-hate or you guys she's got some deep-seated issues and you know i've talked about it before and i'm going to say it again but that whole thing where she throws out she's an american she's american and she's better than um her nigerian husband you know that just reeks of racism it just reeks of it and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. And then, um, she says something funny that I was just like, okay, I don't get it, but okay, Angela. She says she's not gonna let, Aunt, She Michael says she's not gonna let, let me just say this all over again. Angela says she's not gonna let Michael take away her dignity. And I was like, what? You already flashed everyone on national TV, like you were on Girls Gone Wild. you got these tatas that are like 20 year old boobs on a 55 plus plus woman. And your mouth is more vulgar than any other cast member that we've ever seen on any of the 90 day seasons, episodes, franchises, spinoffs. So what are you talking about that you're not going to let Michael take away your dignity? You, my friend, did that yourself and you did it on part one and you've done it before part one. Because every time you come on a tell-all, you take away a little bit of your dignity bit by bit. Every time you talk down to, to Michael, you take away a, a little bit of your dignity. Every time you sit on national te television and say that you got the sleeve and a breast reduction, for your health because you couldn't breathe and then you go and smoke your marble reds, that takes a little bit of your dignity. So if we wanna talk about dignity and self-respect, I'm gonna need you to start from within Angela and not blame or try to blame Michael for taking it away from you because you have to own up to your own responsibilities, your own attitudes, how you come across on TV and how you treat people, that's it. No one can take that from you. And the only person that can take it from you is you, yourself, and you, period. And I feel like, you know, the vulgarness of it all, I feel like the fact that you thought that it would be a great idea to flash his aunt and all your cast members from the season, that's that's on you. That's your own dignity. No one forced you to do it. You did it on your own free will. And so if we want to talk about dignity and self-respect, again, you need to start from within. So uh, Angela leaves and 
Sean announces that uh, Angel has left the building. She's on her way to go hang out and gets the attention that she so desperately is seeking. And Jovi is hilarious. Jovi said, well, I heard her doctors in New York City and everyone starts laughing. Now, was I sad that Angela left? I think that we wouldn't have had the tell that we had had Angela stayed because Angela's like negative attitude would have permeated throughout the rest of the tell Now, was it as confrontational because she wasn't there? Probably not. But I don't think that we would have gotten some of the answers had she stayed. So I didn't feel bad that she left. I kind of felt like, you know what? Everyone now is going to have an opportunity to have their moment and it not just be about the Angela show. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm curious to know what you guys felt. If you felt the tell-all would have been different if Angela stayed, did you want her to stay for all of part two? Or were you guys like, bye, see you when I see ya? Um, I'm curious. So yeah, that was it. She left. She made Skyla leave with her. Come on, Skyla, we're out of here. That whole thing. And then we moved on to Elizabeth and Andre, which I, you know, their relationship is confusing to me. It really is. It, it, it really is. So Sean starts off with talking about Ellie. Ellie's good. Uh, Elizabeth said she's learning new words and sentences all the time. And she literally said, how do you know that stuff? And I started laughing because you guys know on my show, I talk about how Elizabeth and especially Andre, they cuss in front of Ellie on a regular basis. Like they just cuss up and down all the time. And someone came for me and was like, oh, I can't believe that you said that, Linda. Everyone cusses in front of their children. Not everyone cusses in front of their children. Thank you very much. And even if cuss words do slip sometimes, it's not to the degree that Andre cusses, okay? And you guys can come for me all you want. I just think he has a potty mouth. I think he doesn't have a full-on vocabulary. And that's why he only uses a few words. And then all the rest of the words are cuss words. And so for her to talk about, like, Ellie learning all these new words and, like, how do you know that stuff? You know that stuff because your husband cusses up a storm left, right, and center. And kids are sponges from zero to six. That's when they're learning all the things. And so are you surprised that she's learning all the things. I'm not. So Andre's working with Chuck already. They flipped a few houses. He's feeling like proud of himself. He's feeling like he's the man. All the things. Hey, better days. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, Angela. I got it right. I shouted you out earlier. Um, and so Elizabeth talks about how she waited for years for Chuck and Andre to have a relationship. And she's just really happy that they're all working together. She says he's hammering fridges, which I laughed about because you guys remember when he hammered the, the door off the fridge and I was like, what exactly are you doing? Like he keeps saying he's like willing to get his hands dirty, but like, I mean, you gotta be willing to get your hands dirty, but also in a productive way, like just not like random stuff. Right. Like, if you really are a handyman, then you should probably be a little bit more handy and know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Not just like, hey, if I'm throwing the fridge out, I don't need to knock the door off because the whole fridge is being thrown out or recycled. Seems weird to me. Um. So anyways, 
they're working with Chuck. Andre's doing the outdoor or the hands-on stuff. And Elizabeth is doing the interior. And of course, Chuck is funding it all. So that's the new business that they're in. Um, then they talked about her working from home. So she's working from home. And they talk about how she wants a babysitter while she works at home. And Andre doesn't get it because if you're working remotely, you're sitting in front of a computer, why do you need a babysitter? Andre doesn't really want someone in the house that he doesn't know. And he doesn't think Elizabeth needs the help. I mean, the only time she needs help, he says, is when she's going to get her nails done, which I just thought was so cringy. Um, and but Yara agrees with Andre. Yara's like, yeah, I wouldn't want some stranger, you know, taking care of my baby. And Kalani agrees with Elizabeth, like, hey, I've got two kids under two. And, you know, sometimes when I'm trying to do something that should take five minutes, it takes two hours because, you know, two-year-olds are running all over the place. So I could use the help. And you guys, I just have to say this for the record. There are plenty of single parents out there that have full-time jobs. They have one, two, three, four babies, and they run shit. And they don't have nannies and babysitters or the luxury of working from home. There are plenty of parents who make it work and work their asses off for their children and don't have nannies and make it work. And I just feel like if you need a babysitter, cool. If you need a nanny, cool. But I don't think it's the end all be all. And I think that if, if she's working from home, that she could probably make it work if she wanted to make it work. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, if you think maybe perhaps, and I'm just throwing it out there, this is just a random thought. If you think perhaps like maybe you're a super duper reality star and um, interior designer, that maybe you want to have a nanny for the namesake of having a nanny because you're so busy. And oh, by the way, while the nanny's there, I'm going to go and get my nails done. It could be that. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Um, we learned something about Elizabeth. We learned that she used to be a nanny. And I was like, well, if you were a nanny before, then you should be able to balance your work, life, home situation. Because most nannies are amazing with children and they're amazing with multiple children. So if you just have one child, which is your child and you have a history of being a nanny and you said all the families fell in love with you, then I would think you would be able to just like handle the one kid. I, I mean, and I don't know, maybe you can, I don't know. I don't know. So then we talk about Charlie and you guys already know how I feel about Charlie and I'm going to still talk about it again today. But Elizabeth says that she's totally cut off from Charlie uh, ever since he attacked the family. Uh, the family has basically cut him off. And I'm so confused, you guys, about what the sides are. I don't understand who's on whose side. I don't understand what exactly is going on with this family. I do agree with her that they were broken before they came on the show and the show just kind of put the hot lights on it so that it went even further into degradate. I, like it just, they were a mess. The show is making them more messy. A lot of people think it's scripted. 
I don't think it's scripted, you guys. I think what it actually, I know what it is, is here, there's a little like, okay, so there's a little like scab on your hand. If you like scratch the scab a little bit, uh, okay. But if you continue to scratch the scab, the scab's gonna fall off. It's gonna then try to like reheal itself. But if you keep picking at it, it's gonna keep falling off and eventually you're gonna have a scar. And that's how I look at their family. I think that they had an issue. It got highlighted and highlighted and highlighted and now it's, it's just become a thing. So Charlie's cut off. Um, you know, the family, Elizabeth says, was chaotic and dysfunctional from before Andre was in the picture. Uh, Charlie's totally been kicked out of the family business, according to Andre and Elizabeth. And then Chuck comes in. Now, here is where they started to lose me on the tell-all. And you guys, the questions need to be asked. Like, I don't understand. We spend 16 episodes hour upon hour watching all the things. And then we only have two hours or well, four hours, right? Two tell-alls, four hours to ask the question. So let's ask the frigging question. So Chuck is there, ask him, why don't you stand up for yourself? Why don't you tell your family that you're the head of, of your company? So you're going to do what you want to do. Why don't you give your children specific roles in the family business? So everyone knows where they stand. Why don't you tell Andre to shut the fuck up and stop like cussing at everyone and stop being super aggro. I'm the man. I'm the big man in town. Why don't you sit down with Charlie and ask Charlie point blank, maybe even have an intervention. If y'all think he has a drinking problem, sit him down and talk to him about that. If your daughters are all having issues amongst themselves and they all used to be besties, then sit the three daughters down and have a conversation with them. Like uh, if you're the head of the household, if you're the head of your company, if you're the patriarch of the family, I don't understand why you don't step up and be the patriarch. I don't understand. And to be like the one that's like crying because your feelings are hurt and you don't know what to do and you maybe are confrontational and all the things. But what you are is a business owner. And so I know that you can do it. I know that you have the capability to have to be confrontational sometimes because you're in the real estate industry. And some sometimes when you work with people, especially when it comes to money and real estate, it's going to be confrontational. And we've heard all the rumors about like all the things about his company. So I know that he's had to deal with some things from what I've heard and understand with some of the stories of some of the rental properties. So I know that it can be done and I'm just curious why it wasn't done. So that being the case, Chuck comes out. I personally feel like the questions weren't asked by anyone. I was hoping maybe Jovi would jump in and say, Hey, cause Jovi seems to get the party started in the sense that he starts, he starts to give us information that we all want to know, but that didn't happen. So Chuck comes out, he says his family is fractured. He's asked what happened. And then he says Andre happened. Okay, so Chuck, if Andre happened, what are you doing about it? And what are you confronting Andre? And how are you stopping it from continuing to fracture your family? Oh, you're not doing anything? Oh, it's just, oh, you're going to point and say Andre happened? 
And that's it? That's all you're gonna do? It's very bizarre. And then Sean asks, you know, so did you choose Andre or did you choose your son? And apparently he chose Andre, his son-in-law, over his son. And they're working together. And he's not working with Charlie and hasn't even talked to Charlie in many months. Now, Chuck goes on to say that he knew bringing Andre into the family business was going to cause drama. And he said it all started when Andre asked for the $100,000 loan that he was never going to give Andre. But here's the thing, Chuck, if you knew it was going to start drama and you knew Andre was going to start drama again, my question would be to you, then why are you allowing it to continue to happen? If it's your company, I don't understand why you don't draw clear lines about what can and cannot be done, what you will accept and what you won't accept. Instead, you're just going to be like, oh, well, I knew the drama was coming, but I'm just not going to do anything about it. And, you know, that's that. It's very weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. So... Um, then Jen comes on and Jen says that Andre ha- is manipulative and takes advantage of Chuck. And then Chuck's like, well, how was he manipulating me? And she says, well, he's manipulating you because he wants to have his own business. And he's come to you after not at all. And you guys, I want you to remember how we met Andre, not at all being supportive of Chuck at all, not liking Chuck. It's only now that Chuck is funding Andre's job and lifestyle that Andre now likes Chuck. When he first met him, when we all first met him, Andre didn't like any of them, including the dad. Didn't want to work, if you guys remember. Chuck offered him job after job. He didn't want to work under Chuck because he's better than that. And, you know, he didn't want, he went and got his license to be a trucker, didn't want to do that because that was going to take too many hours. And now, lo and behold, he could get deported. So he gets his real estate license and now he needs Chuck. So because he needs Chuck in order to not get deported and also to have a job so that he doesn't get deported. And also because he sees that Chuck has given money and supported all of his other biological children. Andre shifted gears and said, hey, I'm going to get him in that action. And he said it from day one. And if you guys don't believe me, go back to the first season you saw Andre where he did not want to work for Chuck. He would work with Chuck, but he didn't want to work for Chuck because he didn't want Chuck to tell him what to do. What's changed now is that not only does he want the 100000 but he wants to stay in America and keep his green card. So for, he went from being a stay-at-home dad to getting his real estate license so that Chuck could sponsor him so that he doesn't get kicked out of the country because he hadn't worked the whole three years that he was here, and all of a sudden he's working. Now, what is he bringing to the table? Oh, yeah, his, his blood, sweat, and tears. He's bringing the hard labor to the table. And Chuck is bringing the money. Now, if you're asking, like Chuck was asking, how is he manipulating the situation? I will also refer you back to the beginning of this season where he asked for the 100K 
and then said to camera to all of us, you know, if it's manipulation, me getting to know Chuck and being friendly with him, it is what it is. He said it to camera. If you guys don't remember, please go back and see that as well. So here we are. Here we are. And here we are. So if Chuck doesn't see where he's being manipulated, then that's on him. Um, Jen goes on to say that Andre wants to have his own business, but he wants to basically take it all from Chuck. And Chuck's like, that's not going to happen. He's not going to compete with against me because he'd lose. And then I don't know if you heard Andre. Andre's like, oh, is that a challenge? And I don't know if you guys heard Andre at the fight when he told Charlie that he didn't run shit anymore because Andre believes that he now runs shit. And even in this tell-all, he talked about how Charlie's out of the family business. He talked about how after Jen and Becky said that they were going to start their own thing in a moment of frustration against Chuck and Andre, not only was that a betrayal, Andre said, but that that's fine because we're going to go ahead and kick them out too and we can just compete with them. And then he went on to say, we'll get rid of her, meaning Jen, slowly. And then Chuck's looking at him like, but, but Andre, Jen is an asset to my company. So you guys, if you don't see it, I don't know how else to clearly show you that this man... Andre thinks that Chuck's business is his business and that he's a full-on half-partner now. And not only is he a partner, but he's about to kick all the family out of the business. And he thinks it's going to be him, Chuck, and Libby. And that's it. And to nail... To hammer my nail... What is it? To nail the hammer, hammer my nail, whatever. I'm obviously not a contractor, but you know what I mean. To nail it in even further, I want you guys to remember when Andre said to camera that it's, it's all about them now, meaning him and Elizabeth, and it's all about them getting the money. He said it to camera. So, I mean, what else can I say? He's gotten what he's wanted, and no one seems to really care, and everyone's blaming Charlie, which I'll get to right now. So... Um, Jovi in all the midst of all of this stuff and Chuck seeing some of the things that Andre is saying about his, his daughter, but still not really doing anything about it. Jovi says, you know, Andre, maybe you should just work with all of them. Like everyone just try to work together, but that's not what, um, Andre wants. And then Julia says something that was so funny Julia's like, you know, Chuck, you're so nice. Your family's great. All the things. And oh, by the way, my mom is single because, you know, Chuck is single-ish and has a bunch of money. So ching, 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 ching. Um, <laughs> it was hilarious to me. So then Charlie arrives. He's mad. He's disappointed. And he's in full-on frat bro mode. So everyone's bro. Yo, bro. It's not cool, bro. I'm mad, bro. Disappointed, bro. What's up, bro? That ain't cool, bro. Like 100% frat boy mode. Hasn't seen his dad in a while. 
They don't really talk. Uh, they show the fight again. So we watch the fight again, you guys. And I watch the fight over and over because I'm about to say something that I know you guys are going to think is controversial. But I watched it multiple times. Just so I can say it. Andre started the fight. Andre started the fight. Now, why am I saying that? Because Andre started the fight. So when Charlie came in, you guys, and you guys go back and watch it for yourself. First of all, Charlie says it too, under his breath at this tell-all. But this is what I saw after watching it like three or four times. Charlie came in and he's like, call the cops, bro, call the cops. But he was smiling and laughing. And it was his way of kind of being like a douche, but also making a joke. He wasn't coming in all like confrontational, I want to fight you. He was coming in as frat boy Charlie making an inappropriate frat boy joke like frat boys do, bro. That's how he came in. But Andre already had in his mind, if you guys remember, when they were driving to the barbecue that he didn't want to go. He was like fed up the whole nine yards. He was already ready to fight in his head. So... When he got up and said that you don't run shit anymore and put his hands on, on Charlie, he started the fight. He started the fight. He started the fight. I don't agree with you, Crystal. I don't think Charlie came in with bad energy and everyone picked up on it. I think Andre came was already there with his toxic energy, his like bravado, and was ready to fight. And Charlie came in with his bro mentality and it rubbed it rubbed Andre the wrong way. That's how I see it. So we can agree to disagree, but that's how I see it. So um, Andre started the fight. Uh, and everyone doesn't, doesn't agree with me and I, I think that's fine. Uh, Amanda says, Charlie came in messed up and looking to fight. Uh, Denise says, it's easy to take someone down when you grab someone by the neck. And Stevie says, he's been ready since the second wedding in Moldova. Dasha agrees with me, right? Andre didn't need to get up out of his seat. I'm just saying, Andre is the one that put hands on Charlie. Andre is the one that got out of his seat. Andre started the fight. That's it. That's it. Um, so, Charlie arrives. He's disappointed. We watch the fight. And he's like, bro, that's how I'm treated, bro. You trying to cancel me, bro? Dad. He doesn't even say dad. He says, bro, you let him talk to me like that, bro. And then Andre says, "Look at your behavior on. Uh, look at your behavior and look at how you're acting and look at look at what you're doing. But you try to cancel me, bro. And here is where I'm sticking to my belief that Andre started that fight and was ready to fight and is ready to take on Charlie's position in the family, whether Charlie has issues at, at, or not, which I'll I'll deal with later." Elizabeth said this about her own husband. After they showed the clip of the fight, Sean was like, were you crying? And she said, yes, because the rage 
in her husband she's never seen before and she felt helpless. There's nothing she could do about it. The rage in her husband she's never seen before and she felt helpless and there was nothing she can do about it. So don't tell me y'all, you can come for me, you can come for me in the chat. You guys can disagree with me, but I know that I'm right, that Andre started the fight. Andre has anger issues. They talked about it in part one where they asked if he was going to therapy and he wasn't going to therapy. He didn't think he needed it. And she called it out that he has anger issues. And those are exact her exact words in part two. The rage she saw in her husband was nothing that she's ever seen before and she felt helpless, period. Didn't say that about her, her, her brother. She said that about her own husband, rage. Then um, she feels like Charlie came in with a chip on his shoulder. Sure, he came in with a chip on his shoulder. No problem. Chip on his shoulder because he doesn't like Andre. Chip on his shoulder because he thinks Andre is, is taking advantage of his father. Chip on his shoulder because he thinks Andre is pushing him out of the business. Chip on his shoulder because Andre is coming to the business with no experience, but acting like he has all the experience and he should come in on a partner level. Chip on his shoulder because maybe he just doesn't like him. Maybe they are too similar in personality. All the things, it could be all the things, but what did he didn't come with is rage. He didn't come in with putting hands on anybody. Charlie might be a douche. Charlie might be an alcoholic. Charlie might have some substance, substance abuse issues, but what he didn't have is rage. And that's the difference for me. You all can see it how you want to see it. For me, the rage part and anger issues is a thing, is a thing. And it's a big thing. Now, do I think that Charlie plays his role? Absolutely. So let's talk about Charlie. So <clears throat> Yara feels kind of sorry for this whole situation. She thinks the whole family is like berserk. And Andre is like, okay, what's the problem, right? So Yara's like, I feel sorry for you guys. What's the problem? Besides the money thing, like what's the issue? And Andre says that Charlie always reeks of alcohol. And so then he's asked, "Is has Charlie's drinking affected the family? And Jen says, you know, alcohol has played a role for sure. Uh, Jen says that Charlie doesn't have a good relationship with alcohol. Um, and then he turns and is like, bro, you tried to cancel me, bro. And Jen's like, don't call me bro, right? So I think that the family knows that there perhaps is some substance issues. Perhaps he drinks too much. Perhaps there's some other stuff going on. You know, we've all heard the rumor mill. Maybe he's a functioning alcoholic. I don't, I don't know, but it seems to me that the entire family is talking about alcohol and how alcohol affects how Charlie is and interacts with the family. Okay. Now, what do you do about that? Jen says that he can be toxic, says that 
She's done with all the toxic stuff. Chuck is like, my problem is that you just called Charlie toxic. And he didn't like that. He didn't like Jen calling Charlie toxic. Okay, Chuck. But again, my question, what are you going to do about it? Because you didn't do anything. Just saying it isn't doing anything. Like, okay. Then Andre says that uh, when Chuck drinks, excuse me, when Charlie drinks, that he becomes aggressive with everyone and that he's been fired from the family business. And Charlie's like, fired? I run my own business. Like, what, what are you talking about? I've been fired from the family business. Then Yara jumps in and Yara says, you know what, Charlie? Excuse me. You know what, Chuck? Drop your kids. Like, just drop them all. Let them have their own businesses. Go buy a yacht in the Bahamas. And, you know, just go and mess with the young bitches out there. And I started laughing. I started laughing because that's hilarious, Yara. So Chuck hasn't worked with Charlie lately. Um, hasn't talked to him either. And he's okay with it. And Andre is elated because he feels like he's moving in on where Charlie used to be. Now it's Andre. Um, and Andre, you know, you guys, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know who's, again, who's on whose side. Because on the one side, you have Rageaholic Andre and Elizabeth, who also enables that because she accepts it. Then you have Chuck, who doesn't really like have a backbone and is allowing all of this to happen in the name of his business when he's the boss so he could immediately stop it. Then you have Charlie, who allegedly has substance abuse issues. And so, and also he's like a frat boy, yo bro, yo bro, which rubs people the wrong way. And then you have Jen and Becky, who are trying to get their money on. And it's a whole thing. Now, is this going to continue to be a thing? 100%. Are they getting a spinoff? 100%. Is it going to be like um, a show about selling real estate and one side of the family versus the other side of the family? Absolutely. I think the show is going to start off like this. They're all going to try to work together and it doesn't work. So they're going to break off in the two family businesses and it's going to be, you know, Chuck and Andre and Elizabeth. And on the other side, it's going to be Becky and Jen and uh, the husband, Thomas. And then Charlie is going to come in and wreak havoc and have his own thing. And we're going to have a whole series of the Potheath family in real estate, whatever. Mark my words, that's coming very shortly. Okay, so... <clears throat> Sean then asks, you know what? Why don't we end it right here, right now? And you guys apologize to each other. And Andre says, hell no, that will never happen. Not ever. And then we go to camera. They go to break. And Andre to camera is like, bro, speaking of his dad, if you're hurt, why are you not trying to resolve the issues? Which is, again, something that I would say. If, if the dad is so upset by all of this, why not resolve the issues? Why not take a stance, like I said earlier, and be the patriarch of the family if you're so hurt? I've said it all season long. He could easily fix the situation because he's the boss. 
You don't let people run through you and you're the boss. You run shit. So I'm confused by why we're even at this anyhow. Um, Andre thinks that Charlie's a drunk. Um, he actually think, thought that at the tell-all that Andre, in his words, was fucked up right now. You hear how he talks. Um, Andre goes on to say that Charlie's face is punchable, that he's a weak person, that they've already cut him off and they're about to cut off his Elizabeth's sisters and things will be better as Elizabeth clutches his arm. Now, did you guys see that? So he's saying all this shitty thing about Elizabeth's family, how he's cutting everyone off. All her family's going to be cut off because all he wants, he says, it's all about us. We're concentrating on being successful and getting that money. Saying all this like toxic shit out of his mouth. And she's just standing there clutching his arm. And I just thought like that was so. I want to say like enabling. And I want to say like she knows more. But she was acting like the broken damsel in distress. And I just wasn't here for it. I wasn't here for it. If you're going to be like a strong woman, successful woman, then go ahead and be that. And if your husband is a rageaholic, then, you know, say that too and deal with it. But like, don't enable him and be all like, like, I don't know, you guys. I might be reading way too much into it, but I didn't like what it looked like. I didn't see better day said yes. I totally noticed the clutch. I didn't like it. I didn't, I, it made me feel like there's more going on to this story. And the simple fact that she was able to say on national TV that he, she saw rage in him that she has never seen before. And she felt helpless. That, I mean, someone who has that type of rage, it doesn't just go away. Right. And we've also seen how he talks to her on national TV in front of her family and in front of their kid. And he doesn't get he doesn't give a shit. He'll cuss her up and down in front of her entire family. Can you imagine what happens behind closed doors? Anyhow. Uh then there was Michael. Um so Angela's gone. And so he felt like he could speak freely. Talked about uh at first he felt her breasts were too small, but now seeing her today, and we all seeing her today, he loves he loves her boobs he's been a boob man always they talked about like that whole nursing till, till he was nine years old that i still don't quite understand still kind of makes me feel weird um yara makes a joke that that's why you like big boobs and then he tries to explain it and the more he started talking the worse it got in my opinion like i was like oh just stop talking michael so he said he's the last born meaning he's the baby of the family so he played with his mom's boobs while she was at home. And he didn't, then he says, I just played with her boobs and touched it. And then he says, what say? And then he goes, she's my mom, come on. And then everyone was stumped, including myself. I, it's And as an African, I'm telling you, that's not an African thing. That's a 100% Michael, I don't know what's happening thing. Um, and then he's like, well, it is what it is. He says, I still don't understand it. Like you're nine, dude. 
You're nine. You, you go to kindergarten at age five. So what grade are you in at nine? And like, I mean, I have so many questions. Do you on lunch break go home to get fed? Like, what does that look like? And the fact that you simply like are talking about how you played with them, like I just don't feel like those are the right words to use. And like like touching them, I mean, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. It was very weird. I don't even know what else to say. Just like it was weird. All the cast was stumped, myself included, and that's all I have to say about that. Then we moved on to uh, Jovi and Yara. Talked about the strip club. Um, she was ready to go. They show the footage of the strip club. Yara started crying at the tell-all and her whole face changed. And then Jovi's face changed too. And they were both really, really serious. What we learned was not only were they going to have a good time and be in Miami, but it was their anniversary. And so we were all like, oh, it was your anniversary. And so Andre's like, you took a postpartum mother who just gave birth to a strip club on your anniversary. And then he said, you got it easy with just a slap. And I feel like, why didn't we know that? Why didn't we know that it was also their anniversary? We thought that it was just a trip for them to get on the same page and go have some fun. Oh, and by the way, it's your anniversary. Oh, Jovi. Andre then goes and asks um, Jovi, like, what is it with the strip club? Like, what do you, what's your deal with this, these strip clubs? And Jovi's like, you know what? I just wanted to spice things up, do something fun, do something different. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, but for your anniversary, that's that's what you, because you guys know my stats. Like, I'm, I'm not opposed to a good strip club. And if you don't know my stats, I think that couples can benefit from going to a strip club. I think it can be very sensual for the couple if the couple is, if they're both into it. It can be a very sexy moment for a couple. But if one person's not into it, and if one person doesn't really want to be there, then that's not going to be the case. They both have to want to be there, and they both have to be into it for it to be like a very sensual moment. Now, if it's your anniversary, I'm thinking the strip club is probably not the way to go either, but here we are. So he wanted to do something different. He wanted to spice it up. He said it obviously didn't work. And then Sean asked if Yara would take Mila to Ukraine. And she's like, yeah, I would, because it's not healthy to see your mama unhappy, alone and crying all the time. She feels like she's always alone in America um, because he's always away from work. When he does come home, he always wants to go hang out with his friends. And Yara, you know, he feels like Yara doesn't want to have fun anymore. And Yara's like, I don't want to have that type of fun because I just want to live. I want to be a mom. I have a baby and I want to have fun, but I want to have a different type of fun because I'm in a different place in my life now. And so are you. You're a dad. You're not a single young dude anymore that can just be like, hey, bro, let's do this. Hey, bro, let's do that. You have to balance out your work and your family because now you guys are new parents, which I totally understand what she's saying. 
Um, then Gwen comes on. Gwen is the superhero of the entire season. Uh, she's become a fan favorite, absolutely. And she's definitely become the best mother-in-law that we've seen on the series to date. Yara gets super excited um, when she sees Gwen coming on. She's like, my best friend, my besties here. And in real life, you guys, they really are very, very close. They do a lot of things together. And Jovi does travel for work a lot. And so you you will see the two of them on social media together and spending time quite a bit. They are very, very close in real life. Um, but Gwen's on Yara's side. She says that uh, her son has a lot of growing up to do. And, you know, when you're on the boat for a month or four, month, four months, you have to come home to your family. Your family has to be number one. And your friends are no longer number one. She says that directly to her son. Um, she also tells Jovi that he needs to step it up. He's a good dad. He's a good husband. He's just not where he needs to be. Uh, she's asked if Yara's too attached to Mylan. She says yes, but she gets it. She understands because Yara's been alone in America with just her and Mila, and she had nobody. But now that her and Gwen are closer and Yara's been there for some time and has made some friends that it's time to start letting go just a little bit. Then she's asked if she wants more kids, Yara. And then there's this silence, silence, crickets. And we find out that Yara hasn't had her period for a long time. She's asked how long. And she said two months. They haven't done a, a test yet. And she says, oh, no, because she's been too busy. But really, I think that also she doesn't want to know if she's really pregnant because then she'll have two under two. And she feels like that's not for her. If she is pregnant, she and has a second child, she'll fly back to Ukraine so she can be by her mama's side. Because what she doesn't want to do is be in America, Jovi be away from work and her have two kids by herself. She feels like she needs the support, which I, I get. Um. And, you know, maybe Yara's mom can come to them was thrown out there and they've tried that, but the visa has been postponed due to all the stuff, the pandemic, all the things. So it's been hard to get the visa to get um, her mom to America. Uh, but Jovi just really feels he was at work when he found out that she had not um, had a period yet and he was freaking out. And he's like, you know what? One baby is enough right now. He's not really wanting another baby right now. She's not wanting another baby right now. But if it happens, they'll deal with it. And then what I thought was interesting is Ronald tried to jump in because when Yara said, you know, I'll just take my babies to the Ukraine or to Ukraine, he's like, are you going to just let them go like that without a fight? Dude, your situation with Tiffany is not Jovi and Yara's situation. And Jovi travels the world. And so even if she's in Ukraine, after he gets off work, like he said, he can just go to Ukraine to be with his family. Like, that's not going to change their situation. And I just thought that that was hilarious because I'm like, Ronald, you and Tiffany and, and the drama that you have, that's not this. But good way of trying to relate Aw, Kim, thank you. Kim says, Kim, I love your show. Thanks, girl. Thanks, girl. Thanks. Uh, so, Jovi says, you know what? At the end of the day, I will want to do what's best for my family. If that means them being in Ukraine, then I'll do it. So, I think Jovi and Yara, out of everyone this season, 
they're going to be just fine. I think that they're just finding their new parent feet. They're finding the balance between work and home and baby, and they're going to be just fine. That's what I think. Last and certainly not surprising, Dasha said, Ronald needs to worry about getting a job. <laughs> it's funny. Last, last, last is Kalani and Iswelu. And uh, I have another prediction for you guys. So I told you that the Pothouse family is going to get um, a show. They're really pushing this Samoa situation. Okay, so they talk about how there's Samoa family, how Azuelu really wants Kalani to move to Samoa. She doesn't want to go. It's not going to work for her. He's like, oh, well, I've been in the U.S. for three years. As we know, they're getting kicked out of the house. Well, not kicked out, but uh, Lisa and Papa Lo are selling the house, so they're going to have to find somewhere to live, but both of them don't work, so... I don't know like what that situation is going to look like. However, however, I do think this, I'm just going to throw this out here before I break down their little section. I think that they're planting the seeds for us to see Kalani and Azuelu on 90 Day Fiance the other way. That's what I think is happening here because they keep talking about Samoa, 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 Samoa for too long. They talked about how his mom is going to move to Samoa. So all the drama is right there in our hand, right? So you have the antagonist already moved and living there, the mom. And then you have both uh, Kalani and Azuelu not having somewhere to stay and not having jobs. So guess what? Because as Waylu said, it costs no money to live there. Guess what? Look who all of a sudden is on the other way. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that that's what they're setting this all up for because they keep talking about it and they keep talking about it, keep talking about it. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Okay. So that being said, uh, they continue to talk about what it means to be a Samoa woman. And uh, as Waylu talks about women are cleaning in the house while the men are outside hunting and fishing. Tiffany says that whole thing sounds very uh, misogynistic to her. Do all the women stuff, she says. And as Whaley says, well, you know, he cooks, but he can't cook at home because he's scared of the oven, which made no sense. Everyone started laughing. Um, usually he's used to grilling or using like the ground rock thing or a smoker, or whatever the case may be but he can cook. He just doesn't want to cook. Let's be real. Um, so then Kalini comes out. First time she's hearing, she says that there's a plan for them to move to Samoa. First time she's hearing this and she's like calling as Lu out, like, Hey, why are you nervous right now? She doesn't see it happening. Um, she doesn't see Kalani doing anything that she doesn't want to do. And again, I'm going to tell you all this is setting us up for the other way. We're spending too much time on what it means to be in Samoa and to be a Samoa woman, to have them like all the things you guys, all the things. So that is my gut instinct telling you, um, I can't confirm it. I'm just saying that the trajectory is there. And so when I then go and say, oh, by the way, there's a new show. And guess what? Such and such is on the show. I'm going to be like, I told you guys, 
you know, whatever day it is, August 22nd of last year. And you guys will be like, yeah, I remember when you said that. Oh, you, you were right. Okay. Then they bring out uh, Tammy and Lassini, Oswelu's mom. Oswelu's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And Kalani is starting to cry because she's frustrated with the whole situation. As Lucina is walking to studio, she's talking about how Kalani must obey Azuelu. I, I just, I'm not even going to touch that. Um, it's the first time that the, the two sides are seeing each other since Christmas. Kalani is mad, frustrated. She says she has nothing to say. She says she's not a confrontational person. So this whole thing is just stirring up a lot of emotions for her. And she never felt like she'd be in a situation where she would have to be confrontational in her own home. Oswilly says he loves his mom, but his heart is broken. He's crying as well. Cause the last time he spoke to her was that Christmas and the fight. And then Tammy's like starts to try to stir shit up. I'm like, I'm not really sure why, what Tammy's situation is like, she's just mad at everyone. She goes to, she's like a tack dog. She wants to attack everyone and everything in front of her. And it's weird. Like, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? I don't get it. Uh, Kalani says it's hard because in Samoa culture, you can't really cut off your mom, but Lassini has crossed the line that she just can't come back from in her opinion. And she really wants Azuelu to just be done with his side of the family. And we find out that, you know, since Christmas, Azuelu hasn't talked to his family. He still loves his mom and still cares about her. But when she said, you know, you need to find another wife uh, that was disrespectful and his mom doesn't want to apologize for all the disrespectful he, things that she did and said in his house at Christmas time during the holidays when everyone was around. Lucina doesn't think she, she was in the wrong and she doesn't feel like she has to apologize for anything. That's the problem, right? So you're there causing a ruckus, asking for money, saying all the wrong things, disrespecting people, and you're a guest in their home, and yet you don't want to apologize in hindsight. It's very, it's very odd. So as Willie says, you know what? He's choosing to do the right thing. And the right thing is is being with his wife and supporting his wife and his family. Um, and that's what he's going to do. Now, they start talking about, Tammy starts talking about, well, as well, you told mom that you wanted to have another baby. And woo, woo, woo. And Ronald jumps in again and says, well, you know, there's no time stamp on that. And they all agree. There's no time stamp on that. We find out that Kalani indeed doesn't want to have another baby because they want to try to have a girl, but there's no time on when they want to have a baby. So she's like, it's my body, my uterus. I'll do what I want to do and I'll do it when I want to do it. Um, and then Yara says to Tammy, you're too much. And then Tammy tries to attack Yara and Yara's like, bitch, please. Like, stop. Um, and then Natalie jumps in and Natalie's like, uh, you're not allowed to push your mama. You should never push your mama. That's your mama. And Kalani and his way, like they, we never pushed her. Sean rolls the tape. Now here's the thing that I was like, good, let's see the footage for ourselves again. That's a good thing. But what irritated me about that moment is like, 
you guys are going to bring up all this stuff. So we spent a whole hour plus like three episodes about Trish calling Nata Natasha, Natalie, a hooker. Why didn't you guys show that footage so that we can get to the bottom of that too? Because you guys are constantly rolling. You guys were right there. You can't say you didn't get the footage because you guys were right there filming. So you show this where as Waylou was like gently guiding, kind of like, you know, like get out, right? So pushing, not pushing, it's up to you how to decide what you saw, but we were able to see it again for our own eyes. So it irritated me that they did it for this and not for that. That's all I'm saying. But he did kick the two out of the house as he should, because they were being disrespectful, begging for money and being disrespectful. Um, so then Kalani's like, well, you know, I don't understand why you guys are saying he pushed her. He didn't really push her. So there was that whole thing. And then Kalini says, well, you guys were acting a fool. So you had to go and your mom had to go. Bye-bye. That's it. And then Yara jumps in again and Tammy attacks her for a second time with her words. And then Mike jumps in and Mike says, you know, Tammy, you were the aggressor in that situation. Like you, you really are doing the most. And, and all that, Tammy just is like, you know what? I'll fight any of you and all of you. Like that's just her mentality. And she didn't care. And that was really it. At the end, Tammy says the relationship is over between her and her mom and, and, as Waylu and Kalani and the rest of the family. And the mom was like, mm, I don't know, you know, as Waylu is a weak man, he's just a baby and maybe, and maybe, and maybe. Yeah, mama's not gonna wanna cut him off because mama still wants money from him. She still wants to be supported. So she's not cutting anyone off because even if she gets 50 bucks, that's 50 bucks that she got from as Waylu. Now, that was the end of it, but we did see a bunch of the cameras. And the only one that really interested me was the Mike and Natalie. So Sean says one last thing. Mike, Natalie, is the relationship over? There's that stupid silence that they always do that drives me crazy. You're on friggin' national TV. Why am I sitting here looking at you guys, look at each other, and no one say anything? It's very, it's just, it's irritating. So silence, silence, silence. And finally he says, yeah. Silence, silence, silence. Natalie says, yes. <clears throat> and then we go to camera. Natalie says she's excited that Mike has officially let her go. She's all smile. She's like, I'll pray for him, but I'm free. I'm free to do what I want any old time. She didn't say that part, but she did say I was free. And she was excited that Mike let her go. And then Mike, like a chump, is standing right by her dressing room. And what does she do? She, she leaves her green room, walks right past him like she didn't see, smiles at the camera, kind of smirks at the camera as she walks by him, says that she's cheesing herself and that she will be looking for fish in other ponds. I was like, the shade, the shade! Listen, you guys, I said it from day one. She came, she got what she wanted. She ain't trying to be with him. She ain't never trying to be with him. He was a vessel to her getting to what she wanted to get. And now she got there. So bye-bye now. Bye-bye, friend. Bye-bye.
that's it. That's all. That's it. That's all. So what is my takeaway from all of this? You guys, I'll tell you what my takeaway is. This is what's going to happen. Okay. So I think we're going to get a break from Angela, but I don't think Angela is going anywhere anytime soon, but we're going to get a break with, from her because we're going to focus on the other way. Then there's going to be a single life and she's not on season two for sure. Uh, but I think she'll be back in some shape, way, or form. Uh, Elizabeth and Andre already told you. I think that they are going to definitely... Um, they are, they have a spinoff coming. As far as Michael, I don't really see anything happening. If, if Angela is sidelined for a little bit, Michael will be sidelined as well. I think we're going to see Jovi and Yara in, um, like... You know how they have 90 day journey and 90 day diaries, all that. We'll see them there so we can continue to follow their journey. Uh, Kalani and Iswailu, I think we're going to see on the other way. And those are all my predictions. Mike and Natalie, I don't know if we're going to see more of Mike. We may see a pop-up of Mike because again, TLC does everything for a reason. And we already know that Natalie is going to be on 90 day, the single life. And I think that Mike is going to make a cameo in trying to get her back as she dates other people. And I think that that's why you see him like sticking around, being a chump, that whole thing, because it feeds into that whole storyline. So although they're over, I, I, I still think we're going to see him chumping around. Oh, and someone's asking, I didn't say Julian Brandon. Julian Brandon, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, we're definitely going to see more of Julian Brandon. I too think they're going to be on 90 day journey or diaries. I do think that they actually move back to not the farm, but they buy the house next to the farm. And I think that that's going to be incorporated into their storyline, that whole uh, living close to your, your uh, in-laws and what that looks like. That's going to be a whole thing. And so, yeah, that's, those are my predictions. I'm going to be, I'll tell you guys right now that I'm 99.9% sure on everything I just told you. Uh, Vanessa says, don't they have the X comment on single life? They do uh, have that on the pillow talk. They do have that on pillow talk. So we may see him on pillow talk. I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I think we're going to actually see him on the series itself. And with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for joining me. We had a great show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Support the show any way you can. Um, much appreciated. I will be back tomorrow for love. I keep calling it Love Island, but love in the Caribbean and love after lockup. Uh, so I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>